welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I have Vic Gasparich. Vic is a lawyer that specifically practices in the area of real estate in various forms. And in particular, he's been raising the flag about problems with the new Ontario professional real estate corporations and issues with the act that made these things come true. There are some real concerns around the tax status of these. And Vic is the more or less the lone gunman out there uh, that's warning people about what's going on. And I brought him on the show to have this conversation. So with that, here's my interview with Vic. Vic, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So Vic Kasparich, tell us a little bit about who you are. Lawyer of private practice. Uh, I'm a sole practitioner carrying on under a professional corporation. I practice in downtown Toronto. I share a space with a litigation law firm. I'm a corporate lawyer, as I said. The bulk of my practice involves the real estate brokerage industry, not real estate. I don't touch real estate. I'd be sued. But the brokerage industry itself, I do have a significant amount of involvement there. The litigators I'm involved with, uh, Gil Mulholland, Neil Gil in particular, he does a huge amount of work with RICO on the uh, defense side, defending uh, complaints that uh, RICO brings against agents. Okay. And, uh, so needless to say, I, you're- I've set you know, numerous brokerage, I act for numerous brokerage firms across the province and so set like, up a lot, of, a lot of them. So basically what it comes down to, when I said you were in real estate, I uh, wasn't really doing you justice. Basically, the average real estate lawyer, as we think of it, typically closes on deals. You are- more on the, for lack of a better term, industry infrastructure side. You basically have a long history of, of, of the business of real estate brokerage and sales. Yeah? That's correct. So I brought you on the show because we were connected by Christine Brunson, who's a, who's a fellow colleague of both of ours. When she raised the flag on there being serious problems with the new Ontario professional real estate corporations. So first off, before we get into what the problems are, let's talk about what these corporations are, what they were intended to do. What is it that people think these things are? Well, let me first of all say it's not a professional real estate corporation, personal real estate right, corporation. No there's, no, there's a huge difference there, big legal difference. Yes. The intent was that it be a professional real estate corporation. The intent was that the professional corporation would be permitted to be registered under the Real Estate and Business Brokers Act as a PC being able to trade in real estate. The intent was that realtors should use a professional corporation the same way I do, the same way doctors, dentists, and so on do. The same way it's done in British Columbia, okay? Under our professional corporation is defined under the Business Corporations Act as a corporation incorporated under the Act or carried on under the Act, and which is allowed by the Act that governs its industry to issue a certificate of authorization to carry on business as a professional corporation. In the Law Society Act, I get a certificate of authorization every couple of years, I guess. Same thing with, again, doctors, dentists, and so on. That is not the case here. What we have here, now, let me go back a step. There was an act about three years ago called the Tax Fairness to Realtors Act. And it was uh, put forward by members of the private members bill. All three parties supported it, went to committee, it died in committee when the last election was called. It would have done exactly what they wanted it to do. It created professional co- a professional real estate corporation. It basically said, the corporation could do nothing but trade in real estate, could do nothing but act as a brokerage. That unfortunately died in the order paper. 
Okay. Had that gone through, we wouldn't be having this discussion today. Fair enough. So that bill was was kosher. It was in line with the precedents established elsewhere in other jurisdictions and other other, other industries. Other industries. Yeah. yeah. So that didn't happen. What happened? Yeah, now we've got changes that were made to the act that provided for the creation of a personal real estate corporation. What is that? It's a corporation of which the controlling shareholder must be an agent or broker registered with a brokerage, okay? It must be the sole holder of the equity shares, basically, controlling shareholder. It's the sole officer and director of the personal real estate corporation. The big difference is what can a prep, a personal real estate corporation, do? Well, it can do everything. It can do anything, except it cannot trade in real estate. It cannot hold out to be a brokerage. It cannot be a brokerage. The PREC, its controlling shareholders, officers, directors, employees, are expressly prohibited from suggesting that the PREC is anyway involved in the real estate business. So it's got nothing to do with real estate. Mm. Nothing to do. What does the PREC do? Theoretically, this is where this makes no sense. The controlling shareholder has to be uh, you know, registered under the Real Estate Business Brokerage Act with a brokerage. So what the PREC does, the business of the PREC, is to make the services of its controlling shareholder available to the brokerage. Well, I'm sorry, but that makes no sense. Well, let me let me just, let me take a stop on that for a second. Is there even a precedent for that? I've never seen that. Right. Typically, the actions of an employee and an owner are separate under law and the concepts of, of corporations. Right. I have never seen something that basically says the sh- you have access to a shareholder. Right. Like if anything, corporations are designed to separate shareholders from the corporations for liability purposes. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. So the business of the PREC is to make the services of its controlling shareholder available to be an agent or a, broker, a salesperson or broker with a brokerage. Well, you're not doing anything that doesn't already exist. That is the current state of being. Your controlling shareholder is already an agent. It's a total failure of consideration here. Okay, yeah. You're doing something that's already been done. Now, in return for that, the brokerage pays you money. The amount of money it pays you happens to be equivalent to the commissions that the agents would make, but they don't call it commissions anymore. They call it remuneration. But what is it? The closest thing to an activity that the PREC carries on is it's a placement firm, it's a placement agency. It places one person mm-hmm. with the brokerage and in return for which it gets paid a fee, a service fee. That's the best argument that can be made. It doesn't get paid the commissions. It's paid the renewal, the commissions that the agent would have made, but it's a service fee. It does, it's not commission income to the PREC because the PREC is not in the sales business, okay? So we've got a breakdown there. Because First breakdown is that, again, it, it doesn't make sense. It makes absolutely no sense because, again, it doesn't do anything that doesn't already exist. The problem we now have, the problem that the agent now has is, okay, I've got a PREC and I'm under, I've am under. i got my independent contractor agreement in place with my brokerage, but the money I'm making now, I would have made, is now being paid as a service fee to my PREC for making me available to the brokerage. Cool. Now, I'm a hotshot agent and, and I've got, make it easy, I've got 50,000 bucks of sales expenses this year. My car, my signage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, my client dinners. I get 50 grand in legitimate write offs, but you know what? I've got no income to write off against. Because it's not commission income. My income has gone to the PREC. What the agents tell me was, oh, that's not a problem. I'll transfer my expenses to the PREC. Well, no, I'm sorry. How do you transfer your legitimate sales expenses to the PREC? The PREC is not in the sales business, you can't use them. Right. And you incurred those in, in basically in, yeah, exactly. Your personal yeah. name. And you did so as a fact of the fact that you're working for, you're working on behalf of the brokerage firm, which is yeah. another party. Yeah. Under independent contract agreement. Yeah. Which is all fine. Yeah. So you've got legitimate expenses 
that you now cannot write off anymore. Okay. So you can't write those off. One of the things that I was, when I brought this to the attention of a, of a certain brokerage firm, that not so often mentioned, uh, was, well, that's not a problem. If you're worried about that, you can just issue yourself a T4A from the PREC. Care to address that issue? It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. Exactly. It just doesn't apply. It makes no sense. Well, I mean, the T4As are typically flow, are, are, are self-employment income, typically commission no. or otherwise, flowed through from a corporation to an individual that no. allows them to deduct expenses. But again, if you're not, if that person is not employed by the corporate, by the PREC, it, acting it, as a commissioned agent for the PREC, exactly, then exactly. you can't issue the T4A. Exactly. You are employed by the PREC. You're an officer of the PREC, but the PREC is not- in Not a commission. Business. Yeah, exactly. No commission's involved. You are not paid a commission as an officer. Yeah. So, so the only solution that I've been, I've been given alternatively this is- that solution basically also has this entire massive gray, not gray or black area of don't do it in tax law. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a breakdown here in corporate law. There's a breakdown here in tax law. Like the way I see the PREC, it's an attempt basically to divert what would otherwise be personal income coming to the agent, personal income, tax to personal income level. It's an attempt to divert it to a corporate entity, which is a Canadian controlled private corporation entitled to small business deduction. But it's an attempt to divert it, but it doesn't work. It's not a legitimate way to convert your sales income. Yes. Yeah. There. It doesn't work. Well, it's not so much that, again, if, if this has been done as a proper professional corporation, like we've, we've crossed this bridge many, many times before. This is not something that hasn't been done before. It's that this bill has managed to create almost a new classification of corporation without trying that has no precedent in tax law that, exactly. that permits it to, to operate with the way that the real estate agents think it does. So, yeah. okay, so that's the structural issue. Talking about the, about the actual practicality of money getting paid, right? So basically, the other alternative that was brought up was, well, can't they just split the income between the corporation and themselves? Well, that's an interesting point because the regulations that are created does contemplate and does permit money to be paid to both the agent and to the PREC, okay? It does permit that. It contemplates it. So in that particular case, if an agent knows he's going to have 50 grand in uh, legitimate write-offs, let him take 50 grand plus whatever personally. The rest can be paid to the PREC as a service fee to the PREC for providing, making him available as a placement company, as a placement agency. The problem with that and it's not a legal problem. The problem, and I've discussed this with a number of large, large brokerages. I act for a number of them, but some other ones I don't act for. The problem is everybody uses the lone wolf accounting system, okay? Which is a software, to be clear. The software, the software. The software does not permit commission to be allocated between an individual and that individual's prec. The single single outflow. It's got to go to one source. Right or the other, yeah. Now, the, the problem still exists. That deals with the matter of the agent not having any income against which he can write off expenses. That does not deal with the larger issue, which is that the whole thing is a sham. This is true. So, I mean... It's, you know, a it's, company. it's a type of thing that shouldn't exist because it doesn't really exist under, under corporate law. So, and we'll get to that opinion in a second, but I already had one of these set up long before we ever met for, for a client of mine. And I mean, the quote unquote, simple yet less than elegant solution is that the brokerage firm is going to have to agree to flip the switch from PREC to personal payment for a period of time and then maybe back. And that doesn't that's suboptimal in so many ways, right? First of all, it creates no, I'm sure the agencies don't want to be doing that for every one of their agents. That's just oh, no, a major absolutely. pain. Yep, absolutely. Secondly, there's the timing of cash flows, right? So it's it's a hundred percent of the commission coming to them with no discretion as to how much. So you can have a big deal, small deal, whatever it is, right? So now I'm trying to flip a switch 
at a point in the future, which may take me beyond an income that I actually wanted them to pay to the client in the first place. So it becomes a, you know, I'm trying to, I don't know that I can flip this switch in the most tax efficient way possible. Yeah, there's that problem. And again, there's also a problem in the software system that doesn't allow you to do it. Well, it doesn't allow you to split between two, but it allows you to go hold the one to the other. So that's that's the oh, problem. It's all one or the other, yes. It's all one or the yeah. other. Either the agent yeah. gets paid under the independent contractor agreement or it's paid as remuneration to the PREC for theoretically making you available to the brokerage firm, which again is nonsense because you are already an independent contractor engaged by and registered with the brokerage firm. Yeah. So the PREC isn't doing anything new. There's no consideration. So, I mean, there's some of the, the kind of two aspects of this, because you mentioned this. So it's a breakdown of corporate law. It's a breakdown of tax law. So from a corporate law standpoint, the entire bizarre nature of this thing not being a sales a sales corporation, that the it is licensing access to the shareholder, not the employee of the firm to the real to the brokerage. And on top of that, it is also receiving is basically like that relationship pre-existed already. Exactly. This is all just a head scratcher, like quite honestly. Exactly. And that's why yeah. it's nothing but an attempt to again divert taxable income into a corporate entity which gets a small business deduction. Yeah. And situations like that, I mean CRA has crapped on those kinds of things in the past. Well that's so that's the tax aspect. Let's go. So the, so from the structure aspect, we know this is a bit of a mess, right? And it's not that the concept of having your your professional income money go into a corporation to access a small business deduction rate is a problem. If, if, you know, if it's a professional real estate corporation, absolutely not. Correct. Every lawyer does it. Every doctor, every dentist does it. It's allowed, it's permissible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's not it's not the act of having it paid to a corporation. Although so, some anti corporation people may may basically think otherwise. It's a managed. It's it's really it's really trying to respect the fact that that these people are technically self employed individuals who did not have the right to incorporate previously. But instead of going down the road of creating the proper following the properly blessed structure yeah. of this, something new and for lack of a better term, half baked was basically conceived of. That now. Now we have a tax problem, and we have a tax problem on multiple levels. So you hit upon the first one. This was done by the province of Ontario. The federal government has got no incentive to bless this thing or let it be, right? Because, hey, if the Fed screw up something in the tax bill, they could tap on CRA shoulders and say, hey, we kind of screwed something up. Maybe, maybe just let people let it go, right? Like that's that's been known to happen. But for the provinces to do that with CRA, they got no pull. They've got no pull. So CRA is already established precedent for, hey, this is a, for lack of a better term, access to the small business tax rate scheme without a legitimate enterprise relationship. Goodbye. Like that's what they just typically laugh at you and say, well, here's your normal tax bill. So that's the first problem. So So they're in danger there. Right. And then as we so when we sum up the tax standpoint issues, it is they're in danger of having the small business deduction disallowed in the first place. Now, that could be a that is, you know, depending on some of the agents I know, my goodness, like being told, expecting a tax bill and filing a tax bill at X and then getting that done and magnitude like we're talking like what, 12.5 percent versus 53.53. Right. For X, what you were expecting. I mean, oh, my God, it's enough to make someone have a heart attack. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, can you even deduct your legitimate business expenses anymore because of the nonsense of this? And the third is like, here's the other thing too, is that besides you being the, the lone wolf basically out there, you have to quote the accounting system, but you're the lone voice basically screaming into the night about this at this point. And there's going to be more, we just discussed this, more coming out about this in the near future. But a lot of people, how many of these things were set up? I mean, like you had some stats on that. Well, yeah, the last stat I got was about three weeks ago. Now remember, with a prec. All you are required to do is notify RICO, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, which is the governing body. All you have to do 
We've notified the PREC. I've created a PREC. Here's the name of the PREC, and here's the address for service. And that's it. No more. Okay. So RICO has no further involvement. Uh, yeah. The last number I got was about three weeks ago. They had had about 4,700 notifications. There you go. 4,700 notifications. So we're approaching 5,000 realtors in this five, province alone. I suspect right now it's over five, yeah. Yeah, so over 5,000 realtors who think they've done something very wise from a tax planning standpoint. Yeah. They went to their lawyers and set this corporation. The lawyers set it up because, hey, they lawyers are not one to question by default, is this bill even legitimate? Right. They yeah. are like, OK, we know that there's some some random some things we got to follow. We'll do that. They set up the corporation and they're thinking that they're going to save a one uh, and they're setting up the accounting systems and they're thinking they're going to save a bundle of tax. And they could be in for a very rude awakening come next year when they get their tax bill. Well, what I've done when I've been approached, I've always insisted that the conversation take place with the client with the client's account present. Yeah. OK. And in very with a couple of exceptions, invariably, the accountant has said, don't do not be the guinea pig. Let's just write it out. See what happens. Yeah. Stay yeah. as you are. There are a few that have gone yep. ahead. Jason, you, you've received the, uh, my, my talking papers from a presentation I did a while ago. And my, the clients, they get those. Okay. I send it to them. Here are my concerns. The accountant gets them. Here are my concerns. And uh, as I said, the accountant's very well said, no, back off. Do not be a guinea pig. Let somebody yeah. else take the pain. And let's, let's throw some more credibility behind this. This is a lot of accountants stories to see. The reality is I could have set up a ton of money and fees by not doing it, okay? There you go. Yeah, you're, you're talking yourself out of money. So and let's just add some more credibility to this. This is not just you who said this. Like, you've taken this opinion. You've, you've gotten your opinion confirmed. Who else has basically looked at your view and said, Vic, you got this right? There are some other lawyers that I've dealt with that agree entirely. Um, there are, well, again, uh, there are accounting firms, Grant Thornton. For one, for Landau, okay, they're major accounting firms dealing with the tax experts in both those firms. Porto Landau acts for my largest client, and you know they're the view that they agree with me. The gentleman over at Van uh, Thornton, again, also in agreement. Want to analyze that yeah, these are real risks. You know, I may be wrong, okay, but these are real risks, and we can't answer them. And uh, they share the exact same concerns. Some other accounting firms in different different parts of the province that uh, some lawyers have come to me and I've passed my opinion on. But again, like I said, we're probably over 5,000 registrations right now. Agents are so anxious to proceed with this. They just will not listen. I've had, I've had agents get in arguments over, well, as you said, the government wouldn't do this. The government wouldn't pass something that's not going to... Well, no, so that's that's the common... So the yeah. first one was, I doubt very much that the government would ever pass a bill that had this kind of law thinking to it. And I, you know, I've been around long enough and dealt with tax long enough and other regulatory stuff long enough to know that that is a very funny statement. There is plenty of precedent that shows that they do that all the time. Yep. I will go back to the small business tax fairness stuff that they were trying to pass for several yep. years ago, which was just utter bonkers lunacy. Oh, that's lunacy. Um, yeah. yeah. And countless, there's, I can, I sit back and with some of my legal, with my my legal and accounting friends, we could sit back and have a couple of drinks and, and reminisce about the days of, of lobbying over stupid crap that, that should never have been tabled <laughs> in the first place. And unfortunately, a lot of people take a lot of solace in the government getting things right, yet at the same time seem to think government's incompetent. I don't understand the duality of that nature. But the point is, is that you can't, you can't take that response, that, that action, because at the end of the day, you're the liability, like you're taking yep. liability. Like, so I know, you know, like I would say the word of, of advice that I think you'll probably echo is if someone's already set one of these things up, just know that you may not save a penny on this, at least right now. Something's going to have to be done because with over 5,000 of these things set up, right? And more every day, 
guaranteed, like there's going to be a lot of outcry from these people when if it's not fixed. But we might have a year or two where mm -hmm. it's not fixed and you're on the hook. And it's more so the shock, right? It's one thing, yeah. you know, fair is fair. You tell me that, hey, you slipped the corporation, something's not quite right. Like we're going to try to fix this. We might not get to it in the year. Like no one's going to be happy with that. So getting that notice of assessment from CRA saying it's allowed all of this stuff and you owe us X, wow. Why would CRA cooperate with correcting something? This has been their position all along. And any, we're not saying anything that CRA hasn't done before. This is a common position they've always taken on these kinds of issues. There's nothing shocking. Hey, I mean, there's an old saying, not, if they had their choice, they'd tax to, everything. They're not going to accommodate the interior conservative government you know, and changing the tax laws. It's just not going to happen. So the unfortunate thing, I emphasize, had the original plan gone through, the original act, again, we wouldn't be talking today. So let's let's talk about that. That act, which actually handled this properly and made it a professional corp, not a personal corp. Talk to me about, like, you know, why did that not go through? Well, first of all, they call it the Tax Fairness for Realtors Act, which was pure lunacy and idiocy. Who gives a damn about tax fairness to realtors? Realtors. Okay. <laughs> realtors, yes. <laughs> Who else? What motivation is there for legislators, okay, to put that through? Beyond that, I don't know. The, the, Lobbying. <laughs> the, the, bill, well, the, bill, the bill died, like I said, it, it sat in committee for three, four months, whatever, five months. Didn't It, it didn't get dealt with. And then the then the bridge was dropped and with the election, and that was the end of it. Why? I have my theories on why. Fair enough. One of the things we discussed, we'll leave the political ones out of this, but I mean, one of the things that we discussed previously was that if you have a professional corp structure, you need to have a bureaucracy to to basically exactly. like police that's, that, that, right? That's why. That's why. Here's mm. the thing. Real Estate Council of Ontario is the body that regulates the industry. I work with the side that does the registrations. There are some, they're really good people over there, okay? They are working their asses off. They're all working from home still. They are behind. They are working like crazy to get stuff done. Okay. Like I said, the, the other side, the one that Neil works with, again, I don't work with that side, but my side, the people that I send stuff to for registrations and that kind of stuff, they're phenomenal people. They're great. They work their butts off. But you know what? They don't have enough of them. They're overworked. Okay. So as I said, there is no registration process, just notification to Rico. That hey, this is a prank. Here's the address for service. That's the end. Yeah, of it. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I, I a registration system. Yeah, because the government would have had to have poured poured a ton of money into Rico to hire the people to be able to do it and manage it. This is not. A Isn't Rico this? Thing. I mean, to me, to me, this is different. I, I look at things like I get this the way government looks at things, but sometimes. But to me, it's like. You want this? No problem. Guess what, realtors? You're paying for it. Well, like to me, that would be it. It'd be like, oh, Oria, you want this? You're funding the actual development of this. And then your agents pay an annual fee to basically maintain the, the bureaucracy. But again, depending on who you talk to, they don't necessarily want more government bureaucracy in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah. I mean, what a genius solution I have for a problem that shouldn't exist in the first place. But, you know, it is what it is. So, okay. So, the bureaucracy to do 5,000 registrations, I mean, to do 5,000 registrations and monitor them. And do annual or biannual rules on them and so on and so forth. Massive bureaucracy. They can do it in BC because it's a lot smaller real estate population, a lot fewer realtors, yeah. okay, than Ontario. Yeah, just as far as I'm concerned, if they want access to it, charge them for it. That's me. But anyway, yeah. so oh, let's 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 wrap this up with a couple of things. Two things. So I think your advice is summed up. If you haven't set one of these things up, don't, right? Like that's basically your advice at this point. Oh, right now, okay. yeah. Wait and see what if happens. you have yeah, if you have set one of these things up, you have two choices. Choice A is leave it alone. Let's let the corporation sit there, file your zero return, 
yep. wait for it to get fixed and keep doing what you were doing previously, right? Yep. And the third choice comes down to if you want to take the chance that you can get access to small business to the tax rate, then you're going to have to flip that switch, right? From personal to corporate and maybe back and be a nuisance to all the, to your agency. But that's really your only choice, right? Those are your only three choices. Either yeah. just don't play the game or play yeah. the game and hope it works out well. Yeah. But either way, you know that you're going to be probably no worse off from a tax standpoint, but you'll be worse off from an administrative and setup standpoint. Yeah, and the third option is, again, it's a nightmare. You've got you got two things going into you. A, flipping a switch by the brokerage. Like I said, right now, they will not do it because of the software they use they say they cannot do it and you still well, they can't i pushed them on that so don't don't accept okay. that necessarily they okay. may not want to okay tell me about that later that's great but the other the other problem is still again the attempt to divert income which otherwise personal income into a corporate entity with there's no basis for doing it yeah exactly so i mean like at the end of the day you're taking the chance you're taking the chance yep. well, a very possible very probable chance the cra says what is this thing and what is it you mean that you get to pay 12.5%. No, thank you. That's not it, right? So again, from a tax standpoint, you could end up no better off. They could just be like, yeah, that that money, that, that's yours. That's not that's not the corpse. That's yours. Cut us a check for the difference, right? So and from that standpoint- Interest in fines too. That's, no. Well, potentially, yeah. We'll see how that goes. So it is what it is. So yeah, so I mean, that's <laughs> rough. So good news is, is I'm helping you get the message out there about these. Uh, please keep doing what you're doing because there's a lot of people going to pay a lot of. Again, if people are doing things that they think are according to the rules and fair play, and they get smacked in the mouth for it because the bill they couldn't be bothered to pass the bill that basically was actually going to take care of the problem properly, that ain't right. Like that's not no one signed up for. So is what it is. So Vic, uh, if anyone wants to find you and to discuss this uh, in greater detail, where can they find you? Phone number 416-804-2880. That's my cell phone. That's basically on seven days a week. Vic at GasparagePC.com. Excellent. Vic, thank you so much for this. And thank you for the duty you're doing to to basically get this message out. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. So that was my interview with Vic Gasparich about the personal real estate corporations. As you can see, it's a bit of a gong show. So again, if you haven't gone down this road, maybe wait. If you have gone down this road, tread with caution, either opt out or just know that you could basically end up paying the same or more when you factor in penalties. So it is what it is. This is the message we're just trying to get out there. And I hope you are, if you know, you are someone who's, if you as a listener or someone you know is affected by this, please share this recording so that they're more informed. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever's your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.